بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم والشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار السلام عليكم ورحمة الله نعم uh, today, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, will be until after the holidays, after until up to September, insha'Allah, will be the last class, insha'Allah, of the tafsir or the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the past few lessons, we'll be looking at the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the lessons we could take from the hijrah, the migration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Mecca to Medina. And we looked at the hijrah in the sense of what triggered or the catalyst for the hijrah, the migration of the Prophet from Mecca to Medina. We looked at the incidences that happened or took place during the hijrah of the Prophet and finally two weeks ago we looked at what? The arrival of the Prophet in Medina and the warm reception which the Prophet received and the excitement of the people of Medina when the Prophet arrived in Medina. And we promised two weeks ago that we're going to be looking at the lessons, the examples we could take from the hijrah of the Prophet Because like we said from the very beginning of this lesson, that the purpose of the seerah is not to be read like a storybook, but rather for what purpose? to take heed and examples and follow the examples of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, and the Messenger of Allah, for you is a perfect example. So we're supposed to look at this hijrah, take lessons from it, and see how we can apply it to our life today, the issue of hijrah. And especially us here as expats that have moved from one place to the other, how we could implement moving around from one place to the other for hijrah, for migrating for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we said we're going to look at the lessons, and we're going to extract those lessons as a workshop, not me lecturing you, because we've gone through the hijrah for, I think, four lessons now. So some of the questions I'm going to put to you, tell me what lessons we could learn from this, inshallah ta'ala. So we're going to look today at the lessons we could take from the hijrah and the examples that we could implement in our life today. So we said, we looked at first and foremost, what triggered the hijrah, the catalyst for the hijrah. And this will be the phases or the first lesson we learn from the hijrah. Knowing what triggered the hijrah. Why did the Prophet sallallahu migrate from Mecca to Medina? And what triggered the hijrah of the Sahaba, first and foremost, was what? The persecution of the mushrikeen of the Muslims, especially the weak amongst them. Those from amongst the slaves, those did not come from a strong tribe, they were persecuted in different ways. Some were tortured to death, some were killed, some were imprisoned, so they made a hijrah. And where was the first hijrah to? Abyssinia. And then they made a second hijrah. Where to again? Abyssinia. And then they made a last hijrah to Medina due to the persecution. And those that were being persecuted were the weak. 
But after the death of Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet the harms and the persecution of the mushrikeen against the Muslim, it increased. And they were not only persecuting those who were from the weak, those who were not of high status, they were persecuting everybody. Two of their persecutions started to reach root the Prophet At that point, the Prophet he went to Ta'if to seek from the people of Ta'if and Nusra to aid him and to shield and protect the da'wah. And they stoned the Prophet After that, he came back and during the season of Hajj, what did he used to do? Approach the different tribes. And in approaching the different tribes, the Prophet wanted them to have three important characteristics, which we discussed in the seerah. And what were those characteristics these tribes, the approaching, had to have? First and foremost, they had to be strategically, geographically placed, meaning they could not be attacked from any side at all, from any side. So one of those tribes that wanted to give the Prophet mana'a, they said we could protect you from all sides except for one side. The Prophet did not accept it from them. Secondly, they had to have kathra, they have to be great in number. And thirdly, they had to have the ability for warfare. But what was the reason that Prophet sallallahu sought this man'a, sought from them this protection, this shield and this nusra? The reason is in how the Prophet sallallahu approached them. The statement he used to make when he approached them. And for those who used to attend the class, what statement did the Prophet sallallahu make to each and every single tribe when he approached them? What did he say to them? What did he want from them? What did he used to say to each and every single tribe? He used to say to them, who is going to aid me? Who is going to give me refuge? Who is going to take me to his people so they could protect me? For what purpose? So that I may deliver the message of my Lord. So the ultimate purpose of the hijrah was what? To deliver the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the environment they were in was not conducive. There was no freedom for da'wah. So the purpose of the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ was seeking hijrah to deliver the message of his Lord. And what was the message of the Lord of the Prophet ﷺ? What was the message of his Lord? What was the message? From the beginning we said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the messenger with what? Mudathir. And what message is contained in al-mudathir? Because the enmity and the persecution, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Iqra, did it begin from then? No. It was made a prophet Iqra. And the da'wah was what? Da'wah Siriya. When did the da'wah become Jahriya? When was he ordered to make open call? Qum fa'andir. Ya ayyuhal muddathir. That's when the enmity began. And the enmity did not begin because of Qum fa'andir. It began because the mushrikeen they understood what Qum fa'andir meant. Which unfortunately many Muslims today they don't even understand what it means. Qum fa'andir. Because if he had come to them with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him in Iqra, and what did Iqra say? Iqra bismi rabbika. Read in the name of your Lord. Did he have an issue with lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? As Allah ta'ala says, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهِ If you ask them, who created the heaven and the earth? They'll say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But their issue was in what? In the ibad, uluhiyya, the only Allah alone deserves to be worshipped. That was the issue. So Qum Fa'andir was warned about shirk wad'u ila tawheed and call to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the concept of oneness of Allah means only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves all acts of worship. So the mushrikeen, 
the persecution began then. This is the message of the Prophet sallallahu And it's very important to understand this. As Muslims, that the core message of the Prophet sallallahu is what? Tawheed. That's the core message. After Tawheed, everything else comes. Social justice, women's right, this right, that right. But the core message is what? A Tawheed. And this is the first thing we should deliver to anybody that the core message of the Prophet sallallahu is what? A Tawheed. So the reason that made the hijrah was because of what? He had to find a conducive environment to deliver the message of his Lord. So therefore, the first lesson we learn, the first lesson we learn is that anybody that calls to justice, justice, that calls to adu or al-adala, or calls to the truth, will be persecuted. Because the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the battle which we're facing now in 2019, the contemporary battle between al-haq wal batil the sirah, the battle between truth and falsehood, is not only contemporary, it's an old battle. Not only an old battle, it's sunnatul ilahiyya. It's a sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is unique about the sunnah of Allah? tajida li sunnatillahi tabdila. The sunnah of Allah never changes. Never. So the battle you're seeing today in 2019, is old and it's continuous. So we learn from this that the battle between truth and falsehood is a continuous battle. So anyone who calls to the truth, such as justice, will be oppressed, will be persecuted. Because Tawheed is justice. Yes or no? It's justice. And that's why Uthman ibn Mal'un, the brother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, did the Prophet have a brother? Yes, he had brothers. Yes, and brother through how? Through suckling. He said, I did not accept Islam initially, except out of shyness of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, I then accepted Islam later on in my heart when the saying of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala came down. And this saying of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, they said, if you want to understand Islam in its comprehensive manner, one eye, it describes what Islam is and what the Prophet came with. And that's the saying of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Inna Allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan. Allah orders with justice and doing good. And Al-Adl is what? The peak of it is what? Tawheed. And that's why Luqman السلام, said to his son, Inna shirka la That shirk is the greatest of oppression. So when people in the community, in the society, they focus on social justice. They focus on oppression in the society all over the world. For example, most of us know about protests, certain springs, certain revolution. Even the increase of price of bread, people will protest. People will die. But when the hurumat, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have been taken in the same land, people worshipping graves and doing shirk, you don't see a single protest, subhanallah. But for the sake of these things, our rights, our freedom being taken, people will die in the path of this and be named as martyrs. But when the hurumat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been violated, because people, they've lost the priorities, that the greatest justice is what? A tawheed. And without, as they say in their own slogan, no justice, no peace. Without tawheed, there is no peace. There is no peace. There is no establishment. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Allah has promised those who believe amongst you and do righteous action. What's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to do? You establish them upon the face of the earth. So if you want justice, you want establishment, it starts with Tawheed. So as 
the lesson again that the battle between truth and falsehood is a continuous battle. And if it's a battle, that means we need to do what? We need to prepare ourselves for this battle. So, and that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that Alladina Ukriju min diyarihim bighayri haqqin those who expelled from their land without any justice, any just cause. Why? And yaqulu Rabbuna Allah. Because they said our Lord is what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, concerning what I mentioned, how to prepare for this battle. No, we're always going to be struggling, battling. You cannot surrender. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Lawla daf'ullahi nasa ba'duhum bi ba'din. And this is something I have to settle in our mind. That this battle, prepare ourselves in terms of aqeedah, our children. Lawla daf'ullahi nasa ba'duhum bi ba'din. Lahuddimat sawami'u wa bi'a'un wa salawatun wa masajidun yudhkaru fi ismullah. That if it wasn't for the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repels or checks one set of people with another set of people, meaning the people of haq against the people of batil, that all the monasteries that you see today, they would have been destroyed. And the churches, and the synagogues, and the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which Allah's names are mentioned. If it wasn't for one set of people, checking another set of people. So the people of Haq have to always check the people of what? Al-Batil. Because the battle is continuous. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اللَّهُ مَنْ يَنْصُرُهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will aid those who aid his cause. إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَوِيٌّ عَزِيزٌ Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is قَوِيٌّ Full of power and might. So the end of the battle is known. And what's the end of the battle? Victor, victory for who? The people of Haq. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. And do not, wala tahinu wala tahzanu. Do not become grieved or become in sorrow when you see what is happening today in our time. Wa antumul a'launa. Trust me. Antumul a'launa. You're always above them. You're always above them. But tilkal ayyam. Such are the days. So exchange it between the people. One day for them, one day for us. But in the end, you're always above them. But with a shard. With a condition, Allah Ta'ala said, You're always above them. How? What is the condition? In is a condition. In shartiya. In kuntum mu'mineen. If you're believers. Can a mushrik be a believer? La. To show again the importance of tawheed. In kuntum mu'mineen. If you're believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So do not ever come grieved at what you see today. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Those who oppose Allah and His Messenger, those people always going to be humiliated and be at the bottom. Why? Allah ta'ala says, Allah has already written. It's written. I and my messengers are going to be victorious. Allah ta'ala is qawiyun aziz. So first lesson, as-sira'u al-haqq wal-batil. That the battle between truth and falsehood is a battle qadimun, mumtad. It's a battle that is old and is constant. And it's the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his creation. Secondly, how did they do this battle? How did they carry out this battle? They carry out this battle bil makri with planning and plotting. There's a book a brother recommended to me, and there's many books like this. One of these books is called Propaganda. 
if you look how these people, Subhanahu Maliki Qudus, I've not read that particular book, but I've read how they plan and they plot. Subhanallah, just like Shaitan, that means Iblis, Iblis, you open up 99 doors of khair for you to enter one large barb of sharr, one large barb or one large door of evil. They plan and they plot. And they plan and they plot either true imprisonment to stop the da'wah, killing, extrajudicial killing, revoking your citizenship, and to expel you from the, your land. So what does the da'iyah, what does the, the one that knows this, that this, this is going to be there, they're going to plan, they're going to plot, what should he do from the lesson we learned from Sirah? You knowing this, that me kind is haq, there's going to plan and plot against me, imprisonment, murder, extrajudicial killing, torture, if they can't get you, they get your family. If they can't get you or your family, they try to tarnish your reputation. What should you do? What do we learn from Sirah? What do the Prophet Sallallahu do? Awwal to seek refuge. As many people sought refuge. Seek refuge in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala before you go and seek refuge in any individual or any other country. The first thing that comes to people's mind, first and foremost is, I seek refuge in this country, they'll protect me in that country, yes. But the first thing is to seek refuge in who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anta tawakkal ala Allah. To put your trust in Allah. Wa man ala Allah fa huwa hasbu. Well puts his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah suffices him. And what is the proof that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the seerah, the first thing he did, alja'a ila Allah. He sought refuge in Allah before he sought refuge from any authority. Where's the evidence from the seerah? We said the sunnah, knowing that you're going to be persecuted. When we look at the seerah, the Prophet before he sought refuge in any authority, in any land, on his hijrah, he sought refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost, with a dua. We mentioned, I think about two weeks ago, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, upon leaving Mecca to Medina, he ordered the Prophet to make the dua. Allahumma adkhilni madkhala sidqin wa akhrijni makhraja sidqin. He ordered him to make the dua in Surah Isra, verse 80. That, oh Allah, make for me an easy entry and an easy exit. And make for me, min ladunka, from you, sultanan. And make for me a sultan, a person of authority, nasira, that will aid me. That will aid me. And we say, wherever you're making this hijrah, wherever, even if it's a permanent or temporary move to Qatar, to Saudi, always make this dua. That wherever you go, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make somebody subservient to you, a person of authority by the permission of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the da'i Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At-tawakkul ala Allah. Who could define to me what is tawakkul ala Allah? What is, does it mean to put your trust in Allah? Because many a time we say at-tawakkul ala Allah, put your trust in Allah. What is at-tawakkul ala Allah? At-tawakkul ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is husnu i'timad ala Allah. Al-sidqu i'timad ala Allah. Truthfulness in reliance upon Allah. But it doesn't stop there. What's the second part of it? Ma'a al-akhdi bil-asbab. And taking all the necessary precautions. All the necessary reasons. For example, my tawakkul, I want to feed my family. I put my trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how do I fulfill it now? By going to look for risk. I don't just sit there and say, tawakkul Allah, because of the hadith, if you put your trust in Allah, the birds put their trust in Allah. Yes, Allah Ta'ala will provide for you. But what do the birds do in the morning? They leave. They don't just sit in their nest waiting for food. So, husn tawakkul Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means to put your trust in Allah truthfully and take the necessary steps. 
So if we look at the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu and I leave this up to you now, the steps from when the Prophet sallallahu made that hijrah immediately, what steps did he take to show that we as Muslims, we should be the best when it comes to planning? Those that don't believe in planning and they say, you know what, tawakkul ala Allah, they're mistaken and they're committing a grave error and a grave crime. So when that moment came for the Prophet that night to make the hijrah, what steps did he take? What was the first thing? Naam. For the first steps is, he told, huh? Plan. What was the plan? Because it was a sudden thing. He made Ali sleep in his place because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him they're going to what? Kill him. When those kuffar, they planned to either restrain or kill the Prophet sallallahu or expelled him. Yes? So the first thing, he made Ali sleep in his place. He took precautions. The second thing, he went to House Abu Bakr when? At a time, he normally does not go. Meaning when the sun was at his peak. Nobody's going to be out at that time. When he got to the house of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, what did the Prophet do? He told everybody to leave. Whoever is with them, to leave. So the Prophet he took precautions. From the precautions that the Prophet took, when they left the house of Abu Bakr, how did he leave? Through the what? The back. What time did the Prophet leave? At night. Now, when he made it to the Ghar, the cave, what are the precautions that the Prophet made now? Now he's there. What else did he do to show the importance of planning? Huh? Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr used to come to the Prophet with news of what the Mushrikeen were up to. And then it would be followed by Amir ibn Fuhayra with the what? The sheets of Abu Bakr to wipe out the footprints of what? Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr. So first and foremost, he has somebody informing him. And we know the Prophet sallallahu he receives the akhbar of the heavens. What the Quraysh are up to, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it to him. But to show us and to teach us the importance of what? Planning and taking precautions, we were taught this. So Abu Abdullah ibn Bakr will bring the news. He had Amir ibn Fuhira. What are the steps that the Prophet sallallahu Bakr they take? They had a guide, Abdullah ibn Urayqit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one created the heaven and the earth. The one who Badi'u Samawati Wal Ard that created everything. He knows the path. And he could have shown the Prophet the best of path. But to teach us a lesson again, that hired somebody was the most knowledgeable concerned the Sahara, the desert. And was he a Muslim? No, he was a mushrik. And this shows us a lesson, the permissibility, if it's safe to do so, of using or as taking assistance from a non-Muslim to fulfill a goal. Jayyid? Another lesson we learn from the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is that on the path of seer, on the path to Medina, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we saw the importance of one of the attributes of a da'iyah, of a caller to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the important attributes, and all of us should be callers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that ya'fu an amwal nas It stays away from the wealth of the people. A da'iyah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when people love you, they'll do almost everything for you. Like the Prophet the Sahaba, they loved him. And how can you make the people love you? In a hadith where the Sahabi, radiallahu an, he asked the Prophet sallallahu how could I make the people love me? And how could I make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala love me? What was the answer to this Sahabi? The hadith is, the Prophet sallallahu said, had abstain, from that which is in the hands of the people, the people who love you. And abstain in the dunya, practice zuhud, 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you. So the da'iya ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we see in tariqul hijrah, when Suraqa was pursuing the Prophet sallam, and then when his heart became convinced, he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, satamurru ala bi'ibli wa ghanami. You're going to go past my camels and my sheep. Fakhud minha. Khud, take whatever you need lihajatika for your need. What did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tell him? I'm not in need of it. You don't take from people the da'i Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You abstain as much as you can from the wealth of the people. Even the ride in Amr, which Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu had prepared for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he paid the price of it. He didn't take it for free. The Prophet sallallahu paid the price of it. Da'i Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ya'fu an amwali nas. The other lesson we learned from the hijrah concerning a da'wah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like he said, all of us should be du'at ila Allah. Call us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of us as Muslim. So the lesson we learn is that inna al-Muslim alladhi, the Muslim, woo, the da'wah is in his heart, he doesn't leave or break a single moment and da'wah to call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I didn't say da'iyah, the callers, I said Muslim. Because the Prophet sallallahu said, بَلِّغُ anni وَلَوْ aya. Relate from me even if it's a what? A verse. The ulama, they say in this hadith are three things. Taklif, tashrif, wa takhfif. R is for all Muslims. Taklif, obligation. Secondly, tashrif, honor. And where's the honor? The Prophet said, anni, relate from me. And relating from the Prophet you relating from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to make it easier, there's takhfif, ease of burden. And where's the ease of burden? Even if it's a single verse. Even if it's just a single verse. So the Muslim, he doesn't leave any opportunity for da'wah ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter how difficult the conditions may be. No matter how difficult the circumstances may be. No matter how much security has been lost. So the Prophet is making hijrah. He's incognito now. He didn't want anyone to know him. So the last thing he wants to be doing is calling to what? Al-Islam. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the hijrah had revealed to him Surah Makiyah, Surah to Yusuf. Surah Yusuf was Makiyah. And Allah ta'ala ordered him to follow the ways of the what? The prophets. So if we look at Surah to Yusuf, Yusuf, look how difficult his condition was in the prison. And the two prisoners, they came to ask him for what? Interpretation of a dream. He could have interpreted a dream and stopped there. But what did Yusuf use that opportunity for, alayhi salam? Because they saw the characters of Yusuf and they said, you know what? This is a good person. You know, this is a person we can trust, which is another important aspect for a da'iyah, your character. Because the Prophet sallallahu in certain parts of the hijrah, he didn't give da'wah. Like when he parted back Mu'ma'bah, did he give any da'wah? No da'wah. But what impressed her, what made her husband know that is the one the Quraysh are after, the characters of the Prophet sallallahu So when you making, when you go to a place where you're in the minority, like England and America, the kuffar, they don't look at Sahih Bukhari and Quran. What are they going to look at? Your actions. And what actions are they going to look at? What did the Prophet do for Mumabad? What did he do? He made dua for her sheep. And before he drank, he made her drink and left for them provisions. So the most active, or should be the most active in terms of community work, in terms of charity to the Muslims and the non-Muslims, in an environment where you're in the minority as a da'wah should be the who? The Muslims. It's a da'wah in itself. So on the part of Hijrah, the Prophet the first thing was his what? His character. This character is very important, especially in lands we are in the what? In the minority or in places we're not free to call as we want to. So the Prophet ﷺ, he took example from Yusuf, that despite what Yusuf was going through, when they asked him to interpret the dream, he used that as an opportunity to call them to what? To the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Yusuf ﷺ, he said to them, that 
يا صاحبي سجني أأرباب متفرقون خير أم الله واحد الواحد قهار Are many different lords خير better أم الله أو الله سبحانه وتعالى الواحد القهار And then he went to sell them that ما تعبدون من دونه إلا أسماء سميتموها أنتم وأباؤكم ما أنزل الله بها من سلطان إلا الحكم إلا لله أمر ألا تعبد إلا إياه ذلك دين القيم ولكن أكثر الناس لا يعلمون So Yusuf said to them Oh my two companions of the prison Is it better you worship many laws Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-wahid qahar That which you worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing but names which you have named you and your fathers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not sent down any authority regarding this. That and Allah ta'ala has ordered, لا تعبدوا إلا إياه Do not worship anybody but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every opportunity a da'iyah or a Muslim gets to open up to da'wah, even if someone comes to you regarding something else, he used that as a opportunity to do what? Call them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because why do we do this community work, this charity? Why do we do all these things? Because we as Muslims, we have mercy towards the creation, right? We have mercy towards the creation. And as we know, two of the creation, the jinn and the mankind, they're what? They're accountable. So if you're feeding him, you're doing charity work in order to save him or to make the burden of the dunya easier upon him. What about the burden of the akhir, which is more everlasting? Do you not care? If your neighbor is in a house fine, you could rescue him. We not get him out of the house fine. You get him out. And you feel so bad to see him roasting in his house. This same neighbor, if we really believe in the Akhirah bil Yaqeen, how could you just watch? And you know this person, he dies upon this kufr, he's going to roast in the hellfire forever. So therefore, any opportunity, even if it's true community work, for da'wah, we should be the first and foremost in this. As a gateway to call them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jayyid. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for example, Yusuf, he did this. On the path of Hijrah, Aslama Burayda al-Aslami. That Burayda, one of the companions of Prophet he was given da'wah on the path of Hijrah. And Burayda, the Prophet called him to Islam on the path of Hijrah. This Sahabi, he fought with the Prophet 16 or 6 different battles with the Prophet. And Burayda al-Aslami, he went back to his people. And his people, through the father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his hand, they accepted the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the whole of his tribe. And the Prophet said about his tribe, that Aslam salamah Allah. That as for the tribe of Aslam, his tribe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected it from more evil. And likewise, from the tribes that took uh, the Islam on the way to Medina, on the Hijrah, was the tribe of Ghifari. The Prophet said, Wa ghifarun Allahu laha. And of Ghifar, Allah ta'ala has forgiven them. He said, Amma inni lam aqulha. As for me, I have not said it. Walakin. But this has been said by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, upon reaching Medina, on the borders of Medina, there were two thieves that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he met. Lisan. These two thieves, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked these two thieves, what are your names? And they said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our name is Al-Muhanan. Muhan is somebody who's humiliated. He said, we're Muhanan. And they were thieves. And they were highway robbers. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he called them to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa taala that if somebody is sincere in his call and your call is truth, even the worst of the people of society, they will accept your, your 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 message. And that's why I see there's no religion that's growing more in the prisons than what 
than Al-Islam, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So accept the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once the people accept Islam, you have to take away from them that inferiority complex they have within themselves. Jayid. So when people sometimes talk about people who converted to Islam, you know what? That brother before was, you know, those people, they were like thieves, robbers, blah, blah, blah. It has an effect upon them. Just say he's a Muslim brother. Khalas, he accepted Islam. You don't need to go so much into his history. The Prophet ﷺ, when they said, Anima Muhanan, the humiliated ones, the bad ones, he said, La, bel antuma mukarraman. Your two are honored. You're honored people when they accepted Islam. You're honored. He told them, change your, change your name. So these thieves, they accepted Islam on the way to Al Medina, on the process of way to Medina. And he ordered them to come and join him in Al Medina. Because Hijrah, your environment you're in, has an effect upon you. And that's why the man that killed 99 people, for you to kill 99 people and make it 100, you must be in some evil, sick environment. So one of the things, or the thing was ordered to do was what? Make Hijrah, migrate. So for those of us who come in from certain areas, in our jahiliyyah, it's not advisable to stay in the same area because it's always a constant reminder. There's a constant thing you see there. It's to make hijrah. The last thing we mention, inshallah ta'ala, is al-hijrah migrating, as many of us have taken that step for different reasons. And what I mean by migrating here is migrating for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a tadhiyah, it's a great sacrifice. When the Makkans or the Muhajirun, they went to Medina, it was a great sacrifice because Medina was known to have a plague of fever. So many of the Sahaba on reaching Medina, they became very sick. Many of the Sahaba, عنهم, but they made that sacrifice. In the same way that when we make that move from our lands to here, there's many things we miss. We miss our family. We miss our food. Some of us miss the education. We miss uh, the medical facilities there. But you have to make that sacrifice. And this here, especially where we're living now, it's not really a great sacrifice. I'm talking people going to Africa and other parts of the world, which is very difficult, what they call the third world, Pakistan, Bangladesh, whatever. It's very difficult. You know, I heard a brother the other day about his steps in Talib al-Ilm, in seeking knowledge. And this brother, it was a podcast, he broke down for about 10 minutes crying. He said one of the first steps his mother made, he said, may Allah bless my mother. He's a Somali brother. He cried for about five minutes. It moved me. He said, my mother, may Allah bless her. To send your son, and I'm talking those years, to Somalia, to Mughadid, you know how hard that is to make that sacrifice that I want my son to be something. And he owes that to his mother. So it's a sacrifice, a tadhiyah. So the Sahaba, they fell sick. Many of them had fever. Aisha radiallahu anha said when they, get to, when they got to Medina, Medina was known for the fevers. That the fevers upon the Sahaba radiallahu anhum was extremely severe. That Abu Bakr Siddiq, her father, felt ill. So she went to visit them. And the Prophet was there visiting them. She said, when I went to visit them, she was there first. She said, Abu Bakr radiallahu an. She was asking him, how are you? He said, in his fever, because sometimes when you're feverish, you lose, you, it affects your mind, right, Abu Hanifa? She said, Abu, uh, Abu Bakr, radiallahu He said, every person wakes up amongst his family in the morning, but yet death is closer to him than his own shoelace. She said, قالت, يدري, Abi, my, my father's lost his mind, doesn't even know what he's saying anymore. So let me go to someone else. So now she went to Amir ibn Fuhaira. She said, how are you? Amir ibn Fuhaira said, لَقَدْ وَجَدْتُ الْمَوْتَ قَبْلَ ذَوْقِهِ Subhanallah. She said, I could already, I've already found death before even tasting death. 
Then she went to Bilal, radiallahu an. He started to recite poetry as well. And then the Prophet, sallallahu came along, made dua for them, for Allah Ta'ala to remove this from Medina. And it was removed. But the story is, or the, the, the moral of the topic is, hijrah is a great sacrifice. And by hijrah, what do we mean? Migrating for what? The sake of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what was the core reason behind why the process of migrating? What was the core reason we mentioned? To do what? Tawheed and what else? to propagate. So many people, I want to make hijrah, I want to go to the land of the Muslim. Oh, well and good to be in a conducive environment. But did the Prophet just go to Medina and sit there? What did Medina serve as? It served as what? The launching power to call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in this land here, Qatar, we have an opportunity, you don't have in many places, to engage in da'wah, to call the non-Muslims, or to even make this a launch power to spread Islam from. But we need to ask ourselves, coming here, what have we come here for? Is it just, okay, we could pray in the masjid, we don't see so much fitna, there's Islam, are we propagating the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in an environment which is conducive? So we have to understand properly. When we say we're taking our family out of those countries, like many brothers, one of the reasons they don't leave England, they say, you know what, for selfish reasons, I'll go to Saudi. For selfish reasons, I'll go to Qatar, for me and my family. But as for serving the deen, I'm better off in England or America. Because people do a lot of doubt there. Some brothers, they say this. And it's a certain aspect of truth to it. Some people are more active there. Jayid, but it's not always the truth. Because Allah Ta'ala said first and foremost, what? Save yourself from what? Your family. And if you look at many of the callers in the West, let's be honest, not because they're bad fathers or bad mothers. What is the hal of their children? Very bad. No matter how good you are as a parent, no matter how good your household is, your environment has an effect on you. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya ibadi alladheena amanu inna ardi wasi'atun fa'iyyaya fa'budun. O my servants who believe, my earth is vast. So therefore do what? Worship me Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way you are could be conducive or not conducive to your ibadah. Conducive or not conducive to your what? Your iman. And we're adults, we've grown up, we've been through it, done it, got the t-shirts. But those children, it is tempting. Living in those environments, like change, throwing your children in water and saying, no, don't get wet. Almost impossible. The environment, we have to admit, has an effect. But when you come here, don't just come here and say, you know what, I've reached. This is the state of the, state of the many people here. I've reached, khalas. Because trust me, if you're not giving da'wah, you're being given da'wah. If you're not engaging da'wah with your family, your family are getting da'wah somewhere else. Trust me. And that's why a Muslim, there's no such thing as a stagnated state. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he said, Liman sha'a minkum an yataqaddama aw yataakhar. Whoever wills amongst you, an yataqaddam. To either go forward, ascend, go backward or descend. There's no stagnant state. You're either ascending or you're what? Descending. So if you see yourself here and you think, you know what, I'm not engaging in da'wah, I've made a hijrah. Trust me, you're not stagnated, you're going downwards. You're not progressing, you are digressing. Because you're not recycling yourself. And that's why the Prophet said, Do not urinate in water which is stagnant. Why? What happens to water which is stagnant, urinating it? It becomes filthy and impure. But the water which is flowing, what happens? It purifies itself. So my advice to the brothers, for those who are here, those who are not here, we need to seriously understand what it means to migrate and come to engage in da'wah. And all of us have that response. Whatever you could do for da'wah, if it's to make posters, to announce, whatever. You know, especially now if you notice during the summer holidays, the numbers of doing do, sorry to digress, but even other than the summer holidays, the, 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 the people's 
uh, importance they place on knowledge. I'm not saying they attend any circle. Make sure your children are attending circles. Trust me, our children are not safe here. There's some environments in England, like Birmingham, if you're in a small community, which is maybe safer than the large communities of this place if you let your children go everywhere. There's some mad things that happen here. Look, when, I, when you look at the state of the teenagers, the young, it is very bad. So my advice, let's re-energize ourselves. After the summer, we need to take this issue of da'wah seriously. Inshallah. Subhanakallah. Bihamdika. Shadu an la'ina.